If you have Bibles this morning, I need you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking in chapter number 15. We'll be picking up in verse number 15. Last Sunday, we looked at the trial or talked about the trial. It was an illegal trial. It was behind the scenes. The only reason why they were putting Jesus on trial is because they did not like what he had said, and they did not like what he was doing. It was the religious crowd, if you remember, that was upset with him because he was throwing their religion upside down. Uh, we also understand that uh, Pilate, he came before Pilate, and Pilate uh, thought he was not making a decision when he really played neutral, but you cannot be neutral when you make a choice for Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You either will make a decision for Him or you're making a decision against Him. And so we now come, and we're coming to the 15th verse of chapter number 15. Now, this message, it's not going to have a lot of uh, joking or any lightness about it. have nothing against that. Uh, but uh, this is not a time for that. What we're fixing to see this morning is, and I've entitled this morning's message, The Greatest Drama of All Dramas. The Greatest Drama of All Dramas. A few years back, a movie came out by Mel Gibson. Many of you went and saw it. Maybe you even have it on the DVD. We play scenes uh, on, the, on the screens from time to time, especially uh, as we're getting ready for Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but you do understand that even though it was graphic uh, and it was uh, as realistic as they could have made it, I guess, it still pales in comparison to what really happened that day. The brutality. Hollywood cannot, even though they have the special effects and, and all of that, they can't come even close to the brutality that our Lord and Savior suffered for us. We sang about it this morning. The reason why He went through that and the reason why he was uh, crucified and the reason why he took the beatings is because of his love for each and every one of us. He did it because of love. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, my uh, prayer is that you would understand the magnitude of the love that Jesus had for you. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's about His love. And so we're not going to do a lot of support texts in this. We're just going to look at uh, these passages here. Uh, and why do we doing this? Why are we talking about the trial? Why are we talking about the beatings? Why are we talking about the crucifixion? Because we need to understand that when we get to the resurrection, we are going to rejoice and we're going to uh, have happy feet and we're going to say, He's alive, He's alive, and He is alive. And we ought to rejoice over that. But also, we do not need to lose sight of what took place before we can come to shouting. It's a somber, it, it, it will sober you of what the brutality 
was lashed out upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so you found yourself in the 15th chapter of Mark, starting with verse number 15. It says, And so Pilate, willing to contend the people. Sounds like a politician, doesn't it? I mean, I, you know, hey, I'm just going to make this crowd happy. I'm going to go ahead and give them what they want to. I'm really not, because when he talks to somebody else, uh, he'll say, now, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really not uh, what I said earlier. That's not where my heart is. No, 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 Pilate can't do this. Pilate uh, wanted to contend. Understand, Pilate was more concerned about his position. He wanted to keep his job. And so he was willing to contend the people. He released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. We're going to talk in just a few moments about the scourging. Here again, I'm not here to get very graphic with you, but we need to understand what Jesus had to go through because of our sin. That's the reason why he did it. Because of our sin. Because of my sin. Jesus took the beating that I deserve to take. And he took it upon himself. He willingly. Because remember when he was in the garden praying. He says now if there's any other way you can do this. Let this cup pass before. But he says nevertheless not my will but thy will be done. And so in verse 16 it says, And the soldiers, the soldiers led him away into the, uh, the hall called Praetorium, and they call, uh, called together the whole band. And uh, there they clothed him with purple and planted a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And he began to salute him. Hell! King of the Jews. Now understand, they're doing this in mockery. They're doing it as a big joke. They weren't worshiping Jesus. They were mocking him. And then in verse number 19 it says, And they smote him on the head with a reed, and they did spit upon him, and bowing I mean, I don't know about y'all, but when I was reading this, I kind of got in the flesh. I got ticked off when I came to this part here. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. Now, I don't know about you, but that just gets all over me. They didn't come to worship him. They came to ridicule and mock him because of who he said he was. And they didn't like it. And so they thought, we'll teach him. And so they worship him. And in verse 20, And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him. And they put the purple on there in mockery. Everything they did was in mockery of the Lord Jesus. And they put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one, Simon a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, uh, the father of Alexander and of Rufus, to bear 
his cross. And they brought him into the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. By God's grace, these next few moments that we have together, I'm going to be preaching a message entitled, The Greatest Drama of All Dramas. The stage has now been set. The players are in their places. But this is not a Hollywood set. This is reality. This is what exactly happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we see that people were lined up, all of this, understand, all of this was planned. There was no happen chance that Simon was there. There's no happen chance that Pilate was the governor at the time. All of this was orchestrated even before the foundations of the world because we have to understand God had a plan. And His plan from even before there was a beginning, His plan was He was going to send His only Son and He was going to die for our sins and He was going to be buried. But praise God, on the third day He was going to raise in victory and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I'm telling you, as we look at this greatest drama of all dramas, this is not a, a, a movie set. This is not something where... Uh, Someone just happened to be there. This is all planned. And it was all planned by God the Father because He didn't have a plan after the fact. He always had a plan. And His plan has always been that Jesus Christ was going to be the only way that we could get to heaven. The greatest drama of all dramas. The first ones that we see is that the soldiers, it makes mentions of the soldiers. This in verse, verses 15 through 20. Notice here that one of their responsibilities is that they were going to do the beating. Now we've already alluded to, we've already talked about the severity of this beating. But understand, uh, this beating uh, was a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 6. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 6, it talks about that he would have his back to the smiters. It goes on and says, and they will, his cheeks will be before them, and, he will, and they would pluck the hair off of his face. It also goes and says that his face was not going to despise the shame because that's exactly what they were wanting to do to Jesus. They wanted to shame him. They were wanting to shame him and let everybody else know this is what happens when someone comes and interrupts how we got things planned. I'm telling you, we're still seeing that today, are we not? People don't want their religion to be messed with. They're happy with the way they're at. You don't come and tell me that I'm worshiping wrong. You don't come and tell me that I'm serving the false God. But that's exactly what we need to be doing today is, and we need to be doing it with the right attitude. We need to be doing it with love. But we don't need to cower down. We don't need to back up. We don't want to shut up that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way into salvation. But there is no other name under heaven which man can be saved besides Jesus Christ. But when we do that, 
they're going to start plotting. And they want to shame you. And they want to shame me. They'll go and tell you that when you're going through difficulties, you're going through a terminal illness, hey, where's your Jesus now? When you have a son or a daughter who's gone uh, and gotten off the path and they're wandering in their wilderness there, they want to come and say, how's that Jesus thing going for you now? When you lose your job and your income is shrunk down, now you're having to sell things and now you're looking for a place uh, to live. And they'll come around and they'll say, yeah, that Jesus thing's really working for you. Why are they doing that? Because they want to put Jesus to shame. But here the soldiers scourged him. They beat him with cat of nine tails. As they recall, they would take hunks of meat off of his back. And then the Bible also tells us they were plucking the beard from him. And they spit in his face. Now I want you to know, if you really... And I'm an I'm a easy kind of guy, okay? I'm, I, you know, I'm not real... Oh, in your face kind of a guy. But if you come up today and you spit me in the face, we're probably going to have a knockdown. I'm just going to tell you. You ain't going to spit in my face. Because I'll get in the flesh just like that. You would too. But notice here, they spit in the Lord's face and he took it. He took the beating. He took the, the hair being ripped from his face. They, they took the, he took the speeding. They, he, he took it all. Why did he do that? Because of you. Because of me. Because of our sin. That's the only reason why he did that. He could have easily went ahead and smote every one of them. He could easily call 10,000 legions of angels down and took care of business. But he didn't do that. Why? Because of your sin and of my sin. That ought to sober you up today. That ought to help you to realize this is serious business. This is not something to laugh about. This is not a time for us to just go ahead and pass it off. How can we pass something like that? How can we make light of something like that? The only reason why he took the beating, the only reason he got spit in the face, the only reason and he was crucified is because of my sin and because of your sins. And he willingly said, I'll take their place. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. The love, the amazing love. We sing in the song, amazing love. We cannot express in words what kind of love Jesus has for us. And so he goes and the soldiers... Everything they did was in mockery of him. Notice they put purple on him. Of course, purple is a, a color of royalty. And of course, Jesus is royalty. That's not the reason why they put the purple on him. They were doing it to mock him. Oh, you're here. Yeah. Okay, Jesus. You think you see, yeah, okay. Won't you go ahead and do something about this? Jesus took it all. He took it all. Last week we looked at when they approached him, they said he kept silent. Didn't even defend himself. Why? Because he came to realize this was God's will for him. Now, it's easy for us when things are going like we think things ought to be going. 
It's easy for us to say, boy, this is God's will. Boy, I really like to be in the center of God's will. But what happens when everything goes upside down? What happens when we have to go through suffering? Is that God's will? No, that can't be God's will for my life. Why not? Why not? Could it be that God's allowing you to suffer because He's wanting to get your attention? He's wanting you to get stronger in your faith. I'm telling you, many of you can testify to the fact, but the lessons that you learned on how to get you, uh, to solidify your faith is not when you were on the mountaintop. Those lessons that really helped you to get stronger in your faith is when you was in the valley. So it's God's will. And we can accept when you're going through the most horrible time in your life, you can accept the fact that may, this could very well be God's will for me because if it's God's will for me, He gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. Do I, I need to remind you is that this stuff down here is temporary. What we have waiting for us is eternal. And so what happens in many times, we get so earthly minded that we forget about we got a place called heaven that's waiting for us. And we forget about that this, time, this is all temporary and I'm going to be going to a place where I I'll have no more suffering. There'll be no more crying. There will be no more hospitals. And everything is going to be perfect. I'll be in a perfect body. See, sometimes we lose sight of that. But my dear friend, that's exactly what is in store for us. For those who've trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we have to realize God's will for us is that we have a place called heaven. But the only way we're going to get there is by accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. There's somebody here this morning that you have not grown you have not wrapped your mind or your heart around the fact that somebody loved me enough that they died for me? Jesus did. Jesus did that. And so here are the soldiers. Oh, they're beating him. But notice, it says they called the whole band. Now, that's interesting here. The whole band... Uh, that was those that were not on duty. There were soldiers, but they were not on duty. So they called the off-duty soldiers. And it could be that it was a no number close to 600. They would do this from time to time when there was an execution. Uh, those that were not even uh, assigned that task that day, they would join in. And they used it as recreation and entertainment. And so now here are those coming and the only reason they're coming is because they're getting a thrill out of seeing a man and participating in having beaten a man. Now I don't know about you, but that seems like a little warped. But that shows you the depravity of man. May I remind you, we see that even in the day in which we live. People that are calling entertainment about, and I don't want to get graphic here, but let's just go ahead and reality is reality. There are some who view entertainment as uh, seeing uh, pictures of little children. Say, how depraved is that? But is depraved. Why is that? Because that's the nature of man. Man's depraved. The Bible says our hearts are deceitful. 
We can go on and on, and I'm not going, I'm spare all the details, but there are people who are calling things entertainment that we're calling, uh, 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 we can't even wrap our minds. How can somebody uh, get their thrills off of doing some of the things that we're here doing? Selling women for a warped, depraved man to be entertained. You go down in Nashville and I saw where they were just, oh, they said, man, this is great. They had the basketball tournaments and then they had St. Patrick's Day. And so uh, uh, they're down the bars and they're saying, boy, there's going to be a lot of beer consumed uh, on this weekend. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? And then you'll see young ladies and you'll be able to spot them because of the way they dress. And they're selling themselves to men. And when we say, oh, well, what, uh, I, I, that's right in the same vein as these. The other off-duty soldiers getting their jollies off of beating a man. Now, I have nothing against, and I, and I might be making some enemies here, and I, I don't mean to do that. I mean, I flip every once in a while, and I watch cage fighting every once in a while. <laughs> Matter of fact, at our house, it depends on how Donna's feeling and whatnot. You might see us in the cage fighting. I mean, <laughs> but the other night I was flipping through, and I was watching this, and I'm telling you, I thought, I don't know what they get paid, but it, that's ex- you ain't paying me to go in there and get my head knocked off. I mean, brutal, blood going everywhere. And the crowd, in the crowd, boy, when blood starts flowing, the crowd gets a little louder. We can go on and on about oh, what we view as entertainment, but here, this all pales in comparison to what they were doing to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The scourging would be enough. Many times they wouldn't even get to the cross. The beatings were so severe that the beatings would kill a man. But we see that the soldiers, uh, and we already alluded to, they uh, put the purple on and, and then it said, the Bible says they worship him. They, they bowed their knees and they worshiped him. I came across this saying, and I think it holds true to all of us. It says, oh, that what you do speaks so loud that I cannot hear what you say. That's exactly the picture that we see here. They're, they're singing, uh, they're, they're saying, Oh, hell to the king of the Jews. They're bowing in mockery. And, and, and what their actions are saying, you couldn't hear their words because their actions are speaking so loud. And many times we can do the same thing, can we not? We can go ahead and do all kinds of lip service when we worship the Lord Jesus. We can sing His name and we can uh, say, Oh, Jesus, you're my king. And yet when we leave here... Just a matter of hours, we're back to doing the things that we know we shouldn't be doing and we're going to the places we know we shouldn't be doing. We're just as guilty as those soldiers who bowed in mockery and worship Jesus. We do the same thing. 
Oh, we'll raise our hands, we'll clap our hands, we'll say, oh, glory to God. And then before we go, uh, Monday morning, we're going to go ahead and we're going to cut some corners at work. We're going to go ahead and do some underhanded dealings. We're going to go ahead and say some things that we shouldn't say. We're going to go ahead and back watching some of the movies that we shouldn't be watching. We're going to go back to listen to some of the music shouldn't be listening to. We're going to go back doing, doing everything else that does not glorify God and does not show that we love Jesus. But when it comes to around on Sunday morning. Here we are again. What's wrong with us? That's your, when we're doing that, when you come with a, a bad attitude, when you come uh, and, and your heart's not what it ought to be, are we not doing the same thing? Because the Bible tells us that we must have clean hands and a pure heart. If we're really going to worship, now we can go through the mechanics of worshiping, but we're really not worshiping. Isn't that just as saying that we're mocking God? Soldiers mocked God. But notice here in verse number 21, Simon comes onto the scene now. So here's the drama. The drama, uh, Jesus, uh, we see the beating and we see the mockery and uh, we've we seen the ridicule that he's taking. Now we're seeing Simon. Now here the Bible tells us that uh, Simon was passing. What does that mean? It means that Simon was pretty much minding his own business. He came because he was going to celebrate Passover. He was no intention. He, I mean, he's, he's come to worship. And so he happens to be, not happens to be there, but uh, uh, God orchestrated. So here's Simon, a Cyrenian, uh, means that he was from Africa, be modern-day Libya. That's where he came from. Notice the text says that he came from his country to worship. So it'd be apparent that Simon is a believer. How do we know that? Because it also mentions of his sons, Alexander and Rufus. You'll find uh, Paul makes mention of them in one of his letters a little later on. So indication is that he's come to worship, truly worship. So he's there uh, in this crowd, and here comes Jesus. Jesus is carrying the cross. And Jesus is no longer having, uh, can carry the cross. Uh, so by Roman law, the Romans had a law that they could go ahead and tell you to do anything they wanted you to do. So the Roman soldiers look at Simon and say, Simon, you get over here and carry the cross. Isn't it interesting? Here's Simon who came to worship came to worship at Passover, and he meets the Passover lamb. I think that's pretty cool. He, he came to Passover, but he met the Passover lamb. We're going to have some that are going to show up on Resurrection Sunday. And they have came for various reasons. Some because they have pressure from the family. Because they like to eat and they know that grandma or, or mom is going to fix a wonderful uh, Easter meal. And so, okay, I'll I, I go. And, then, and of course, uh, they expect you to be in church. And so we're going to have those that are coming. And they're not coming for the right reason. They're coming because the pressure of the family. 
Or it could be that maybe there are some that are going to be here uh, that the Lord's been convicting. God's been working on them a little bit. And they've come to realize, you know what? I don't like this life I'm living. Uh, It's an empty life. Uh, I do not have contentment. It seems like everything is upside down in my life. And so I've tried everything else. So I'll just go ahead and try church for a while. You never know who's going to be here. It could be there's someone here today that you've come. Maybe you've come uh, because of one of our candidates that was baptized today. And you came because of the family. But the Lord's been dealing with you. And the Lord's uh, been uh, kind of nudging you. Maybe you've been out of church for quite some time. And you thought, you know what, I need to get back in church. Whatever uh, uh, brought you here, you're not here by accident just like Simon. There's no accidents here. God is orchestrating and God has brought the ones that need to be here this morning. And so Simon goes to Passover, but he meets a Passover lamb. Now understand, Jesus, because of the beating that he took, uh, no longer could bear the cross. But I think there's a deeper meaning there. And that, that meaning was made. The reason why the one that was going to be executed had to carry his cross is because it was showing everybody else that he was guilty. The reason Jesus didn't carry his cross is he's not guilty. But notice, Simon, who if he is a believer at this time, is guilty. Do you see the picture here? Here's Jesus who's not guilty, he no longer is carrying his cross. Simon comes, and the Bible says he was compelled. It means that he was was forced to serve. And so Simon now is carrying the cross for the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that is guilty because of his sin is carrying the cross for the one who's not guilty. But I got good news for you. You may become, uh, you've come here this morning, you have a burden. You're carrying a pretty good load. It could be a financial burden. It could be a relationship burden. Or maybe it's a health issue. Whatever the case may be, there's somebody here that is heavily laden. But aren't you glad the one who's not guilty will be able to carry your burden if you just call upon him? There's someone here that's burdened because of your sin. You just flat out know you're not living for the Lord Jesus. Got good news for you. The one who's not guilty will be happy to lighten your load and carry your burdens. The Bible says he'll carry them as far as the east is from the west and will bring them to remembrance no more. And so Simon here, he was minding his own business, but then isn't that how God works? Many of you could testify the fact that you were minding your own business and then bam, you met Jesus. I mean, you was at the gas station pumping gas and some one of those radicals from Hillcrest came over to you and started talking to you about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe even gave you a track on how you can find your way to heaven. And you're thinking, these nutcases, why do they do that? I mean, can't they just leave me alone? Oh, my dear friend, Jesus will not leave you alone. He will continue to woo you, but there will come a point in time in your life when you're going to get that wish. If you continue to live in your sin, you continue to live in rebellion, there will come a day, because Romans are very clear on this, it says, he'll just go ahead and turn you over to a reprobate mind. 
There are many here today they are saying, I'll be glad. I just wish that church would just go ahead and leave our community. Oh, they're going to get their wish one day. <laughs> they're going to get their wish one day. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that I had a Baptist preacher continue to pastor me. And I'm just going ahead, and that's how I viewed it at the time. He kept calling me. My brother had gotten saved. My brother had gotten in an accident. And, uh, he uh, went to Texas with us. Uh, didn't know if my brother was going to make it. And uh, he talked to me. He was very gentle. He was very kind. Uh, but he told me, he says, you know, God's been doing a wonderful work in your brother's life. And I said, well, you know, I noticed and, yeah, my brother's not as rowdy as he used to be. You know, all that kind of, he says, you know what? That's what he wants to do for your life as well. And then uh, one Friday night, he called me, called me on the phone and invited me to come over. And then he shared again with me. I'm sure glad that there was somebody that didn't give up on me. I'm sure glad that somebody kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on. And I'm telling you, many of you can testify to the fact. Aren't you glad that there's a church here upon this little hill that just kept on preaching the gospel, kept on preaching the gospel? I'm not, there's many in this community will say, I'm sure glad there's a church close by me that all oh, they're annoying at times, but I want to know when I got my heart right with the Lord Jesus, when I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I, it's a remarkable how more likable they became. You ever notice that? When you get saved, those same people that pestered you and bothered you and you hid from, they're your best friends now. That's just how God works. And so here, Simon was like the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch, you know, was sitting there. He was reading the scriptures. Philip came by and he says, what are you reading? He says, I don't know. I've been waiting for somebody like you to come by. And so here we see that Simon played a key role in this drama. Because Simon represents us. Everyone here is guilty, is charged. Everyone here, because of your sin, is guilty. But Simon carried the cross for the one who was able to forgive him of his sins. And my dear friend, if you're here today, that same Jesus that was on the way to Calvary, is the same Jesus that's here today. And He wants to carry your burden. And He wants to save you. But then, notice, we come, it says, they took Him to a place called Golgotha. Place of the skull. If you've ever been to Israel and you go to where they think that you're close to where, it does kind of look like that. Looks like a skull. How fitting. Is it not? Because this was a place of death. One day I was there and I, I was looking at that spot. I thought, you know, some horrible things took place in that spot. My Jesus was nailed to a cross. And my Jesus bled. And He did that for me. The cross is a symbol of death. But then I started rejoicing. I started getting a little happy. Because this place of death is a place of life for me. Because Jesus died for me. He shed His blood to remove my sins. 
And I know not far from there was a tomb, an empty tomb, may I add. And I started getting happy. Because if Jesus had not gone to Calvary, I'd have no hope. Matter of fact, if Jesus, Paul even alluded to it in his writings, if there's no crucifixion, then that means there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, that means there's no victory. But I got good news for you. We have victory in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus because, and I've been to that spot, the tomb's empty. Amen. And so here is where, now understand, why are we, why are we looking at all this? Because we're heading to a resurrection. And next Sunday, we're going to have one of the, uh, the two ordinances of the church. This morning, you saw the, one of the ordinances. That's baptism. And next Sunday, we're going to gather around the Lord's table. And we're going to have, some people call the Lord's Supper, it's called communion, uh, whatever the term may be. But it's going to help us to realize what Jesus Christ did for us. We're going to have juice. That represents symbolic of the blood that He shed for us. We're going to have the bread. That's of His body that took the beating that we just talked about tonight, uh, this morning. And and so we, we see here as this drama is being played out. We need to uh, get focused upon what took place before we get to the resurrection. That's what we've done this morning. We've looked at the soldier's role. They mocked him. They beat him. We looked at Simon's role. Simon was uh, the one who carried the cross of our precious Lord and Savior. He represents us because we're all guilty as charged. And then we saw the place they took them to, the place of the skull. But I find it also interesting that they offered him a mixed drink. It was some wine mingled with myrrh. I've been told that this would produce a sort of a, uh, a narcotic. The reason why they would do this to uh, the one being executed, it's not because they had sympathy for the ones they were going to kill. They did it because you wouldn't struggle as much as they were driving the nails through your hands. But what did Jesus do? He said, no, thank you. Can you imagine? Ladies, it would be equivalent, and I'm not trying to do a comparison. There's no way we compare. But many of you have testified to the fact that, and some of you have said that uh, I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to have it naturally. And about the first time you get one of those real intense, hard labor pains, that magic word comes out of your mouth. Drugs! (laughs) Give me drugs! (laughs) Why? Because the pain's so intense. I've been told that for a man, a kidney stone is about as close as you're going to get to a man having a baby. 
If that's the case, ladies, I am so sorry for you. <laughs> I've had kidney stone, and I was hauling the same thing that you were hauling. Give me drugs! Jesus had an opportunity to take something that would dull the pain, but he says, no. No. Why? Because he understood that this mixture would cloud his mind. And he wanted to have a clear mind as he is being executed. I can imagine that. Now here's my spiritual imagination. Could it also be that he wanted a clear mind is because he didn't want to forget the ones that he died for. You think maybe that as he's there hanging on the cross, he, there's a song that was singing he, and he had me on his mind. Can you picture as he's hanging, he says... is for you. Addison, this is for you. Can you imagine? And that's exactly how I think it was. He had those that he came to save on his mind. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means that every single one of us here, and if you're not saved, He still had you on His mind. Every one of us, He had us on His mind. Oh, amazing love. What kind of love? What kind of love? Only the love of Jesus. Only the love of Jesus.